Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In May of 2016, journalist Megan Winter made a trip to Missouri. It would ultimately inspire her new book. While watching the Republican-dominated state legislature in Jefferson City push through bills on abortion, guns, and voter ID in a single day, Winter realized just how outmatched Missouri Democrats had become. What was once a purple state had become solidly red, with GOP representatives handily pushing, pushing legislation that just years before might have felt too extreme. So what happened to Missouri? And can Democrats stem the tide of years of losses at the state level? Megan Winter's new book, All Politics is Local, Why Progressives Must Fight for the States, is out today. She's kicking off her book tour with a reading at the Ethical Society tonight. And she's here in studio now to share with us what she's learned and her prescription for the Democratic Party. Megan Winter, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Do you feel forgotten by the Missouri Democratic Party? Have you noticed a lack of organizing in your community? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Megan, you wrote that this issue crystallized for you while you were visiting the Missouri Capitol as a reporter. What were you doing here and, and what happened that really grabbed your attention? Yeah, I came to this topic because um, I should say right off the bat that I'm from New York. I'm from New York State. Um, and I was covering abortion and reproductive rights for national magazines. And for one of those stories, I went to Jefferson City to write about um, laws about abortion, which, as we've all seen in, in the past several months, uh, abortion is regulated largely on the state level. So I wanted to choose a state where I could learn more about how that happens. Um, so that brought me to Jefferson City. And while I was attending those hearings on those abortion laws, um, one, I quickly realized that the tenor in the Capitol was much more extreme than I realized. And the anti-abortion movement was much stronger there than I anticipated. But also, just by virtue of being there to watch those hearings, I saw that so much more was happening. And, you know, to be totally honest, I realized how ignorant I was because mm -hmm. I thought of myself as someone who was politically aware. You know, I read the paper. I, you know, in retrospect, I don't really know why I thought that. But I really did think that I had a, a you know, somewhat of a, a sense of what was happening in the country. But in those hearing rooms, I really realized I didn't. And I didn't realize how much happens on the state level and how we all need to pay attention to that regardless of our political affiliation. And when did you begin to sort of develop this thesis that the Democrats had failed to put enough attention onto the state level, that they had picked too many things to go national on as opposed to fighting in the states? Mm -hmm. That came out of this reporting on abortion. Um, and then speaking with reproductive rights advocates and Democratic lawmakers, not just in Missouri, but in other states, um, I started to see that this was not just an issue for uh, that issue, but it was across a multitude of issues. And some of those we consider partisan and some not. So this affects, um, to some extent, labor, the environmental movement, um, LGBTQ rights, a, a whole uh, a whole raft of issues and democratic organizing itself. So that came, um, that grew out of that abortion reporting, but it, when I began to look at other issues, 
with sort of a similar thesis, I realized that it was true almost across the board. Okay. Now, you describe Missouri voters as caring about gods, guns, and gays. Mm -hmm. And that's a quote that many times people in Missouri hear. Mm -hmm. And these are heartfelt issues for many voters. How could better organizing or more money being paid on the state level possibly overcome values that feel like for many voters, they're instilled from childhood? Mm -hmm. I think that is a huge question. And you know, I don't I think that's an open question. And I think that's an open question for Democratic organizers, um, advocates who support abortion rights and LGBTQ rights and want gun safety laws, like especially for those advocates um, and for Democratic strategists and volunteers also, because they're, as you, you know, articulated, they are pushing against the stronghold that those issues have. And for good reason, like those issues are very emotional. They're very deep. And I think sometimes on the national level, uh, Democratic national strategists misunderstand how important those issues are in places like outstate Missouri. And I think by sort of either by either by being, I think, condescending in some way about dismissing people's beliefs and then also not understanding what, for example, reproductive rights advocates are up against Mm -hmm. and sort of not understanding the Herculean battle that they're facing. Um, So I think one of the things that I have learned in doing this reporting, and this cuts across many issues, is the importance of organizing day in and day out and not thinking only about elections. So by having, for example, um, a strong presence fighting for minimum wage increases or fighting for Medicaid expansion. I know Missouri will have an initiative on the ballot in 2020 about Medicaid expansion. Um, that Those kinds of issues may be able to redirect attention um, and, and galvanize people who have been cut off from the Democratic Party mm-hmm. um, by brilliant strategy by the right in order to divide and conquer. Um, but I don't... Um, I don't have an easy answer, and I don't yeah. think anyone does. And and I think this is one of the real, um, real challenges for Democrats, and also, frankly, for most Americans who don't, or many, I should say, many Americans who don't want to be so isolated by the culture wars. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, um, as much as these are, again, sort of values that people may be be growing up with, um, that it wasn't always the case in Missouri, that it was such a Republican stronghold. You pinpoint the tipping point here as being in 2001. And for you, the place where it happened was Mexico, Missouri. You took a trip to Mexico. Um, What happened in 2001 in Mexico? And and what did you find when you visited? Mm -hmm. So in the early 2000s, um, and I chose this this example is sort of a case study, and I think it represents what um, Republicans were doing across the country um, in in order to, um, I don't want to use the word target, but yeah, to target uh, rural districts where they knew that they could win these legislative seats. Mm-hmm. Um, and this points to the fact that Republicans always prioritized winning these legislative seats that, that seem like so not a big deal, right? These seem like these down-ballot races. Um, But in the early 2000s, Republican strategists in Missouri realized the importance of redistricting. And they realized that if they invested in these races, they could uh, flip control of the legislature and then they could build the power would build on itself. And that that really worked. And it worked here and it worked in other states like Michigan and Wisconsin over time. Um, So I went out to Mexico, Missouri, and I spoke with um, a lawmaker there who had who's a former lawmaker there. And I really just, my the goal of my 
visit there was um, to have these conversations about the what I'll call the cultural issues like guns and abortion um, and to some extent race, because those are the things that I think it's important to hear from people. And um, and in our conversation, that's what really emerged as uh, a focal point. Okay. Um, and you sort of contrasted this former legislature that you talked mm-hmm. with there with State Representative uh, Stacey Newman, mm-hmm. who has been a suburban St. Louis Democrat, who's been a real strong voice on gun issues and, and things like that. And yet you kind of pointed to the fact that he's got this kind of folksy manner. He's able to talk in a way that it seemed like you were sort of grudgingly admiring just how well he could communicate what he was trying to do here. Is this some sort of genius Republican strategy or do they have the issues? on their side. Well, that the point I wanted to make there, um, and I don't know how to articulate this briefly because this is like one of the, the core issues of... People are going to have to read your book. Uh, yeah, read the book. Um, but what is so, um, I think, important to note is when Republicans chose these issues of abortions and guns and, and race, those kinds of issues speak to these deep mythologies and deep, like, power hierarchies that are deeply ingrained in our society. And the the point I was trying to make there is, like someone like me, I can be easily be made a caricature. I'm a woman. I'm from New York. I tend to speak quickly. I There's a certain way that you can make me a caricature. And oftentimes the way men speak, especially when it's matter of fact, when it, when it calls into certain Christian ideals or when it resonates in a certain way, that's much more easily taken as true. And so some of this is when Democrats disappeared from places like outstate Missouri and the only people that you heard from who were who were pushing a Democratic plank or were speaking in support of you know, assault weapon bans or whatever it was, they could easily be turned into caricatures like people like me and not people like from outstate Missouri. Does that make sense? Where you think of this as this is one of my neighbors. He's speaking my language. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And and so many of the I mean, the Republican strategists were brilliant when they chose those issues because they those issues in particular speak to these deep American mythologies about self-protection, about you know, certain religious principles. Mm-hmm. That's Megan Winter. She's speaking at the Ethical Society tonight at 7 p.m. about her new book, All Politics is Local. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation with Megan Winter. Why do you think Democrats lost Missouri? What will it take to make headway in Jefferson City? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Megan Winter, one bright spot in Missouri for progressives seems to be Moms Demand Action, and that's the Michael Bloomberg-funded group calling for increased gun regulation. What are they doing right? Um, yeah, so Moms Demand Action, I think, is doing a lot of things that um, that serve as a great exam- exemplar. Um, and I should say quickly, too, that Moms Demand Action includes a lot of Republicans and a lot of people who may be independents. Um, and one of the things I struggled with in this book is what 
words to use. So I just want to be clear about that too. Um, and I think actually that's one of the things that they're doing well is that they're bringing in people who may not consider themselves necessarily political and people across um, across the political spectrum. So it's an issue where they're fighting mm-hmm. the Missouri Republican Party, but there may be a lot of mm-hmm. Republicans who are on board with what they want to it, achieve. Exactly. I, I you know, I think there are. Um, so some of the things that they're doing really well, and I wrote about in the book in particular, um, Becky Morgan, who lives in St. Louis and is really, in my mind, extremely heroic. She um, she and her group have been organizing. Again, it's not just about the election cycle. It's day in and day out, um, figuring out how they're going to get people to events, how they're going to talk with lawmakers. They drove out to outstate Missouri and organized groups. So they're doing a lot of things that work and that other groups across the country are doing, both in Moms Demand Action and on other um, in terms of other issues and progressive organizing in general. Um, but I think what really stands out is trying to make personal connections with people and being there constantly. This isn't just showing up two weeks before an election. It's about making connections, talking to people, and being there during the legislative session. Um, and that that is really important. Even with the props you gave that group, you did detail a big loss, and that is the legislature overrode Governor Nixon's veto of Senate Bill 656. That's the first stand-your-ground law passed after Trayvon Martin's death. Guns are everywhere in Missouri. And so if even this kind of advocacy that, that you feel is very effective, if it can't make a difference, is there really any hope? I hate to sound so pessimistic for the Democrats. But. I have wondered the same thing in the course of this reporting. I also learned that I'm a depressive in the course of this book. Um, but I have to say, so something that's so important to keep in mind and that I keep reminding myself, and it was one of the takeaways from reporting this book, is change is long term. If we start thinking of change as something that happens in three months or about one bill or one election, um, it's, it's not going to work. One of the ways that Republicans took over state legislatures across the country is that they laid out a plan that took about 20 years to execute. Um, how did they remake the court system? They did it over generations. So yes, there are a lot of hurdles, but what's what needs to happen for Democrats to regain um, any momentum and for these interest groups to push their um, their platforms is for long-term strategy. And that may seem so humble and frustrating, but it's it's the way forward. Mm-hmm. We've actually, we've got a couple callers um, who are weighing in. I'm going to go to the phone lines and let's talk to Eric calling from St. Louis. Um, Eric, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yes. Um, I just wanted to uh, call into question one of the characterizations that uh, Ms. Winter has made of uh, the Republican Party in Missouri here and and Republicans in general. She's kind of zeroed in on uh, three issues that we're mainly concerned about, abortion and guns and race, she said. And the one that uh, I find very perplexing is race because uh, I, I stay up on these things a lot and race is not an important issue issue to Republicans hmm. here in Missouri or, or conservatives. Um, and Eric, not- are you are you speaking as a Republican um, or as somebody on the outside looking in thinking this is not what motivates them? Uh, I'm speaking as a conservative okay. who almost always votes Republican. Sure. And, uh, Megan, and- would you want to speak to that? I mean, Eric's saying that that's not mm-hmm. an issue for Republicans. What would what's your take on that? Um, so this this is something we could talk about for a very long time. But the, the brief answer is. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that 
race is important to the Republican Party right now. On the national level, Trump uses race baiting about immigration almost daily, if not um, if not hourly. So that's something that's very entrenched. Um, longer term, some of the race issues are different. They're more structural. So it may not be, you know, I would never say that all Republicans are racist or all Republicans have any animus towards people of other races. Absolutely, that is not true. However, there are a lot of structural barriers to racial equality that historically over time, many Republicans um, have upheld those barriers and or have been slower to dismantle them. And that may be things like voting laws, that may be things like um, government programs. There's a whole um, housing, I mean, this goes across the board on federal level, local level, um, in, you know, where I live in St. Louis, it's, um, there are a number of ways we can talk about this, but to me, it's pretty clear. Eric, I imagine that that's probably not, um, you might disagree with, with Megan's characterization there, um, but do you feel like overall she's, she's kind of making a point that for some Republican voters, this is something where they maybe like the, the situation more than others who are trying to reform um, some parts of it? Um, no, I really don't agree with with Megan. Uh, it is it's the uh, Democrat Party and the left wing progressives who continually racialize every issue and make race a major issue with their, with their identity politics. Republicans and conservatives are not concerned with racial identity politics. It's the it's the progressives and the liberals and the Democrats that constantly make everything about race. And that is not what we're about. Okay. Eric, I appreciate that point. Thank you for calling in. Um, we've actually got another caller on the phone lines who I think is going to have a really interesting perspective here. Um, I understand that it's Jay Kummel, who was the minority leader of the Missouri House from mm. 2013 to 2017. Um, Jay, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Yeah, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, what what were you interested in talking to Megan about? Well, you know, I think we were, I, what I had heard was that, you know, there were, what were the ideas of what Democrats can do to, to make inroads in the Missouri House? And, you know, I think we've got a lot of organizations out there. Look, there's a lot of pent up anger and frustration and people want to do something. Mm. Um, people are angry about the situations they're in, uh, but there doesn't seem to be the right focus on what it actually takes to change the people we're sending to Jefferson City. Um, there's been... A lot of progressive organizations that have a lot of energy, um, have a lot of rallies um, and marches. Um, and while that's great because it, it does bring um, a certain amount of uh, visibility to those organizations and those causes, uh, what it really takes is going out there and talking to individual voters in districts, knocking doors and raising money. And, and there's a special election for Missouri House seat coming up right here in St. Louis County. And quite frankly, uh, I've been out there knocking on those doors, and while there are some people showing up, um, I see a lot of people that are doing everything but going out there and talking to those voters in that district. And that's what it takes to, to send people to Jefferson City to do something that's different. I realize that um, having rallies and um, marches is, is very, uh, very moving and energetic, uh, but it doesn't draw attention in the individual districts where it matters. And we've got a rare opportunity uh, to pick up a seat in St. Louis County, and I hope that people will uh, will actually make that step and do the hard thing, which is go out and actually talk to voters. Jake, thank you for that. Uh, Megan, what would you want to say in response to what Jake's saying there? I totally agree. I think something that is so important for people to realize is that so much of this work is not glamorous, and it, you just have to show up, and people can make 
such a difference um, volunteering for a local candidate who may not have the resources. Um, it's also a way that you can you can actually make a difference. Like we so much that we see in this world we're out of control of, but actually showing up, knocking on the doors, making the phone calls, you know, whatever it takes. Um, I, I just want to underscore um, that point. I think it's really important. Jake, you kind of alluded to this, and Megan actually wrote about it, I thought, very intelligently in her book, that it feels like there's kind of a deep divide between progressives and mainstream Democrats in Missouri. I'm just curious, Jake, in your experience, is that something that you think it's harder for Democrats? Or is that kind of progressive energy coming from the left something that's actually helpful? Well, I mean, I, I, I can see both sides, and I certainly think there, there is a divide. I mean, to pretend that there's not, um, I think, is uh, to stick your head in the sand. Uh, but I think that the issue is, on, in both of those camps, if you will, um, there is a lack of understanding of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there doesn't seem to be a way to meet in the middle. And I think this is just like um, the, what the Republican Party has been struggling with for the last few years. This is their Tea Party movement, as, as you know, and I don't want to uh, say that our side is, is uh, you know, in that, you know, extreme. But the fact is that there's, we've got two opposing camps and there doesn't seem to be anywhere in the middle. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I think there's room for both. I think there's energy on both sides, and it just takes some understanding. But it takes willingness from both groups to, to understand that not everyone agrees with all those issues, but to meet in the middle and agree that um, having someone that um, votes together on 95% of your issues uh, should be more important to you than someone that uh, votes with you on zero percent of your issues. Jake Hummel, thank you for that. Megan, I saw you nodding while Jake was talking. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with everything he said there? Or? Um, I agree with a lot of it in terms of, I think, two points stand out to me. Um, one, in reporting this book, uh, one of the things I took from it was, yeah, it's really important to, it's hard because you want to stand up for your principles. It's also important to have good faith and to give people the benefit of the doubt, especially when they agree with you on a lot of things. Um, I also think it's really important to keep in mind that this is all about numbers on some level. So if a political party has um, has a majority, then they have control of the legislative agenda. So just at some point, it's just about the numbers. And I think that that sometimes gets lost in some of the more uh, granular policy de- conversations. Uh, Jay Kummel wanted to thank you for your call. That was a, a great perspective to have here. Let's go back to the phone lines. Um, Rebecca from University City, uh, you're on, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Um, good afternoon. I'm curious, I'm very interested in this topic, and uh, I really want to get involved in uh, the political scene here in St. Louis here pretty soon. And so I wondered if Megan could go beyond the idea of volunteering to two or three specific places where an individual can get involved. I mean, very specific. I'd appreciate that. So, Thanks. Megan, I know that you are New York-based. Is there anything you'd suggest what kind of, um, what type of groups that mm-hmm. she might look for or, or things that could be helpful? Yeah, I think this depends. Um, I mean, that's going to sound, I, I think that de- this depends somewhat um, on what you're interested in. I think there's so much, one of the reasons Missouri is such an interesting place is so much is happening here, um, especially in St. Louis right now. Um, depending on the issue you're interested in, you can find one of these interest groups, whether it's NARAL Missouri, whether it's Sierra Club. Um, you can join, the Black Lives Matter's done so much here. There's indivisible groups. As um, the previous caller said, there are 
their house races. Um, you can find someone who's running for alderman, for the House, for the Senate, and volunteering with, I would recommend volunteering for one of those state campaigns, um, even if it's not in your district, if it's in, in a neighboring district, because then you can tap into what those people are, you know, whatever the other fellow volunteers are doing, and that will probably be what is most um, exciting and well-organized in your district. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for that call. We did get an email from Carol um, who notes, Democrats have had a lot of destructive policies and decisions regarding race in Missouri. They have no basis to feel superior to Republicans. Look at the redistricting more than a decade ago that put Sharon Tyus and Irene Smith in the same ward. I think there is some um, thought locally that maybe white Democrats looked out for their own interests at the expense of black Democrats. Totally. I um, That is... Ha- of course, locally on the national scale, too. And something that I think is so important to keep in mind um, also is thinking about funding and how much of the funding on the right and the left is, unfortunately, because of our campaign finance laws, which there tends to be bipartisan agreement among actual voters that our uh, campaign finance laws are horrible, that a lot of these decisions are made by old white people and they decide who's going to fund these people's organizations and absolutely the democratic party has made so many decisions about race and so much of american history is about race um I know, absolutely agree with that comment as well. Okay. Unfortunately, we're out of time today. We didn't get to half the things we wanted to talk about. And I do want to say, for people interested in reading Megan's book, she does contrast Missouri in many ways with Florida and Colorado, something we didn't talk about today. So if you're interested in this issue, All Politics is Local, it's now out on the streets as of today. And tonight, Megan is launching her book tour at the Ethical Society. The reading begins at 6, or at 7, doors open at 6, and uh, people would be welcome to join her there. So, Megan Winter, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.